Hey there, and welcome back to A Conversation for One podcast, the podcast where I discuss and ramble on about a variety of different topics like horror, sci-fi, multimedia, film universes, music, anything really, um, which of course includes theme parks. It's been a long while since I've had any theme park type content on the podcast, and although I know you've been itching for that third Tron episode, I know you're going to love this one. So let me just start by saying this is something of an impromptu episode. Um, It's one that I've been planning on doing for quite a while, but I didn't include it within any schedule. Its focus is both on on Canadiana, and it's kind of like a theme park-ish themed episode. (laughs) Right, so the actual topic. Today I'm going to be talking about the tour of the universe which I'm sure the majority of my five faithful listeners will have no idea what that is. It's actually an attraction I've I'd never actually had the chance to attend uh, due to the fact that I wasn't uh, quite alive uh, before it closed. Um, So it's kind of a first for the podcast, me talking about something I've never actually experienced. But I definitely feel very passionate about it, so hopefully that shows. The Tour of the Universe was an attraction that ran in the CN Tower from 1985 to 1992. That's right. It was an attraction that was located exclusively within the greatest feat of architecture ever built by human hands, which, as everyone knows, is of course the CN Tower. Located in the heart of Toronto, the Tour of the Universe provided one more insane reason to go of your mind blown by visiting the greatest Canadian monument. So the tour of the universe was the first kind of was the first of its kind flight simulator in the world, uh, one which took you into the far reaches of space and into the distant future of 2019. So with this being a fairly recent episode for the podcast in the actual year of 2019, I thought the timing kind of worked perfectly. Now before I go into too much detail about the ride and how it came to be, let me just start by getting a few things out of the way. This episode is brought to us by the good folks at Outro Apparel. You know them, you love them. This top-of-the-line startup clothing company not only sells high-end clothing and accessories, but with every purchase you make, 10% of it goes directly to Mental Health Research Canada to provide support of mental health and awareness as well as research. Uh, So if you want to look fresh to death and help a worthy cause, go check out Outro Apparel. I'll make sure I provide a link in the show notes. Also, this episode, aside from already being awesome because it's focused on a Canadian theme park attraction, has another reason to stick around for the entire show. This episode will be featuring a brand new segment and actually a brand new partnership that I'm very happy to have joining the show, one that I know you'll all love too. Oh, and stick around to the very end if you're interested in hearing a special bonus segment of the show. So yeah, lots of big things going on in this episode, if if you couldn't tell already. So without any further ado, let's blast off into this episode. Tour of the Universe. Buckle up for an amazing live-action space shuttle adventure to Jupiter. There's nothing like it anywhere. CN Tower. Tour of the Universe. Take your tour today. Experience an unbelievably realistic simulation of space travel. 
tour of the universe. You've got to come and try it. The only spaceport dedicated to tourism and pleasure. It's out of this world. See, hear, and feel special effects. Board your Canadian Airlines interplanetary shuttle. Destination, Jupiter. It was totally awesome. It felt like we were really flying. Tour of the universe. The year is 1981. The tour of the universe is being thought up by Canadian media legend Moses Neimer. He's the genius who started City TV, Much Music, Bravo, Space Channel, CP24, and of course the Canadian staple television program Speaker's Corner, which is a program most Canadians are aware of, but for those listening outside the Great White North, oh, or for those a little too young to remember, Speaker's Corner was a first-of-its-kind show that had its major focus be interactive broadcasting. What I mean by that is, anyone could go to the Speaker's Corner. Hi! We're very naked ladies. Speaker's Corner, Speaker's Corner, go ahead and try your luck. We're a little too cheap to make our own videos. Be my, be my, be my, my, it was a phone booth. Uh, you'd sit in there. It had a bunch of like recording tech in there. You'd put in a golden dollar into the slot, and they'd give up to a maximum of two minutes to do whatever you wanted. It could be comedy, music, politics. You could even air out your thoughts. Nothing was off the table. I mean, some super scandalous or hate speech type absurd content would be edited or just straight up cut from air. But it was a crazy and super fun concept for a TV show. Lots of future and current stars made appearances on the show. It aired from 1990 to 2008, just a year after Rogers Media actually bought City TV. Um, really, this was the precursor to YouTube, and really, when you think about it, even Instagram. Um, so other than being a bit of a media visionary, Snymer uh, also was the true blood man of the people. Uh, when City TV was still independent uh, of Rogers' ownership, uh, Nimer made sure that City TV was one of the first television stations in Canada to implement a diversity policy in its hiring uh, for its on-air staff. So he would actively seek out people of color, people with disabilities, and other minority groups to work as on-air journalists, which was super unheard of at the time. And it really, it's still somewhat unheard of. <laughs> like, for example, look at like anchors for Buffalo news stations, for example. Those are the ones that usually pop up off hours. They are done up to the T. And I mean, I'm not complaining. Like, they're good-looking people. It's just, it's not realistic. Um, Nimer went on to describe why he wanted to include the diversity policy. He said it's because he wanted the station to look and feel like Toronto. But it wasn't just Nimer's creativity that started the tour of the universe. That's right. <laughs> Buckle in for even more Canadian history. Like, this is the stuff most Canadians won't remember or know. The ride was also being thought up, sponsored, and run by a now sadly defunct company known as Canadian Airlines, which, if you couldn't guess, was an airliner company. Um, but before I get lost talking about them, let me just get some little facts stated here. The Tour of the Universe was engineered and designed by, again, another Canadian company called SimX, which now is a very high-profile ride design and entertainment company who have created and developed many cutting-edge 4D flying motion simulation type rides. 
lots of stuff that their portfolio is huge. I couldn't even include a lot, all of it if I wanted to. But back in 1984, the tour of the universe was the ride that was going to put them on the map. The ride would also be built by Shows Can Film, which is the company behind the special effects of 2001 A Space Odyssey, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, just to name a couple, I mean. Shoscan also designed and built the spacecraft-themed cabin, which would be seating the 40 passengers. So as you can tell, we're already off to a stellar start. We have a Canadian media magnate who knows what the people want. We have hungry up-and-comer engineers to create the ride, and the program is going to be built and filmed by sci-fi film legends. The tour would use two Boeing 747 simulators designed and built by Rediffusion LTD, which was based out of the UK. They made the actual simulator ride. It was based off of former military tech. This is like tech that was actually used to train pilots without actually having to use like official real aircraft. Again, like we're talking cutting edge quality here. The ride itself cost a sizable 12 million shekels. That's like a lot of coin. Shekels, by the way, I mean dollars. Uh, it could hold a comfortable 40 riders per vehicle. So... The trip itself was a fairly long 15 minutes, which if you've ever been to Disney World or even Canada's Wonderland, you know a 15-minute ride is a fairly long ride. And uh, overall, though, the overall experience rounded out to about an hour with everything included. As I was getting at earlier, though, the ride was promoted early on and sponsored by Canadian Airlines. This actually added to the experience of actually um, paying for your air or, I guess, space travel um, as the ride's focus was strictly a trip to Jupiter. Canadian Airlines as a sponsor meant that you got, it was actually kind of cool like when I was looking at it, like because it was an actual company, they that meant like you got a really cool ticket for your trip that looked like a legitimate real airline boarding pass. It was, it actually looked pretty cool from what I saw. Canadian allowed for the attraction to modernize their look and their logo, which added to the futuristic theme. Once you had your round trip boarding pass to Jupiter, your travel experience would take off unlike anything you would ever experience before in 1985. But before I go into details about that euphoric 4D voyage, we're gonna take a little detour. Experience an unbelievably realistic simulation of space travel, tour of the universe. I loved it! The only spaceport dedicated to tourism and pleasure. Destination Jupiter in the year 2019. It's like flying. Very exciting. See, hear, and feel special effects in person. Board your Canadian Airlines interplanetary shuttle. Airbus, fantastic. This is it. At the CN Tower, Toronto, Canada. Tour of the universe. Prepare to be amazed. And now, this message. With St. Patty's coming up, we thought this episode would be the fitting choice to include this fantastic poem titled St. Patrick's Lament from the show's newest collaborator, Nancy Savio Poetry. You can find Nancy at Nancy Savio Poetry on Instagram. We're honored to have her here, and I hope you guys enjoy her amazing skills and recording just as much as I did. Enjoy, please. With St. Patrick's Day being near, I think of the Irishman I once held so dear. And as I finish my seventh green beer, I ponder the reasons why he is no longer here. As the first beer slid down my throat, I made myself a small mental note. Perhaps he is stuck on an island remote, 
or trapped on the sea in a hostage's boat. As the second beer went past my lips, I thought some more between every sip. Maybe he tragically broke both his hips or was caught in a zombie apocalypse. The third beer looked even more green, and I kept thinking of what his absence could mean. Maybe he's investigating on a crime scene or shooting a film for the big silver screen. By the fourth beer, my thoughts are muddled, and as I continue to think, I'm befuddled. Was he eaten alive by a lion he cuddled, or smushed to death by a football team huddle? On to beer five, and I think I can see some legitimate reasons why he should flee, such as winning a Paris-wide shopping spree or going to college to get a degree. As I pound back beer six, I just spill. Has my Irishman moved away to Brazil? Swaying in my seat, I pull out a bill and ask the bartender for a refill. And now, at beer seven, I'm back at the start. Sat on St. Patrick's Eve with a heavy heart. Things held together may soon fall apart, and trying to glue with green beer isn't smart. Now, back to our program. Before you embarked to Jupiter, you, as the passenger, would board an elevator-type time machine of sorts and exit into the year 2019. You'd step out into the very 1980s, retro, futuristic-looking spaceport Toronto, where the very best of space travel launched out of. Like, I'm talking very 80s. From everything I saw, it was like dark, sharp edges with like round plastic um, counters and like you had neon everything lasers everywhere dark blue lights lots of fog metal walls shiny plastic like monitors everywhere static looking um, like a tv signal it was like very cool like i get it like it would have aged terribly but if that was like still there now and they kept it almost the same like i would lose my mind it's it would like be stepping i don't know like that would be everything to me but anyways from what i can tell it had like a very aliens vibe kind of mixed with like a bit of generic space movies type things like it's a hodgepodge of star wars and star trek and maybe i want to say blade runner because of how dark it is but i feel like that's way too not it's like not the right vibe but definitely aliens for sure um if that makes sense like a lot of like metal shutter like walls like almost like a cargo door looking type scenery i don't know it's it yeah like watch watch a couple clips for like it's it's so 80s like it's it's mind-blowing how 80s it is uh but the spaceport was originally operated by cp interplanetary but that only lasted for roughly around a year until CP Air, I guess that would be like Canadian Pacific Air. Canadian Pacific is still like um, a train company, um, but I never even even knew CP Air was a company, let alone Canadian Airlines. So, um, but yeah, it was sponsored uh, by CP Air in the real world, uh, but CP Air was bought out and absorbed by Canadian Airlines, which, um, later on see uh, canadian airlines was bought out by air canada so that's why we haven't seen any of those airlines in quite some time so after that the spaceport would then be operated by canadian interplanetary instead of cp interplanetary but not a lot changed um, then you'd get your boarding pass and i think that's as far as we got before the break 
Um, but here's some new info for you. After the boarding pass, you'd have to go through customs, security, and then finally through medical. Uh, this is this was um, where this was exactly. I'm not quite sure, but from what I gathered, it's after you get your boarding pass and you've received your flight briefing, you get to witness this giant wall made of like a bunch of running, functioning 1980s box tube TVs all running simultaneously like you can see it in a couple of like the promos for the the tour of the universe it's glorious that would have been like a trip on its own uh pun very much intended um but within all these sections there would be like actors in character walking you through all the steps making it feel as authentic as possible you'd have like your stewardess you'd have your security you'd have like your just your normal crew one of the more notable characters I saw from a lot of promo material and even through like comments and stuff through Reddit was a character named Commander One who was in charge of security. He is that character who is the, he's like featured prominently within the majority of the commercials. Um, just like the one with the complete visor face mask. It's definitely like trying to give off a, a Darth Vader vibe, but apparently that was like the character. Medical was probably one of the coolest parts um, within this, um, ex not exhibit, but attraction, I suppose, other than the ride, which you'd actually be inoculated against future diseases before you went into the reaches of space, like Ganymede rash. So how this happened was be like a mixture of lasers and mist and lights and it would just scan all over you and the mist would shoot you and you would be inoculated. Like already I'm like, sign me up. Like, I don't think I've ever really experienced anything other than like Disney world or universal where something is interactive like that. Even paramount or paramount. I gotta really stop with that. Even Canada's wonderland never really had anything cool like that. So once you proceeded on the space shuttles, uh, through what looked like a kind of, you kind of like went in through what looked like a cargo compartment of the ship Instead of lifting off with old, archaic, obsolete rocket fuels, you were launched into the depths of the universe through the center of the hollow core of the CN Tower, relying on experimental, high-functioning, linear magnetic traction. <laughs> Obviously, right? Once you were seated in the spacecraft, though, you would be in one of two sides of seating set up somewhat similar to a small theater with everyone being slightly beside the seat in front of you and so on, so everybody could kind of get a good view. Each side would sit 20 people, so you get 40 in each in each side, and everybody would basically have a, 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 well, for the most part, like a theater, you would be able to see the screen, the screens. Like, this thing had a ton of screens, so you'd have, like, your main screen and your side screens. It was, like, the whole view. Like, you were going to space, you believed it, you weren't in, like, some nickel attraction. This was, like, the real deal. Up in front would be the main screen, which acted as the ship's window, and then you would have two smaller um, televisions in the top right and left corners. Um, once you were buckled in, the pilot would go over the launch protocol, and the ship would get ready to blast off. But again, not with rocket fuels, with, what was it? Experimental high-functioning linear magnetic traction. Uh, once you launched out of the tower, that's right, you would go through the tower, that the whole center of the tower would be what would be launching you. you. You'd see a variety of things once you were in space. You'd shoot through vortexes, you'd visit a space station out of orbit, 
you'd have close calls with an asteroid field, and of course, you'd get to witness the beauty that is Jupiter itself, the main reason for your travel. When you returned home, not only would you have experienced the trip to Jupiter, something that not no one, not really, well, people, I mean, it was pretty popular in Toronto, but something not many could say they had done. And not only that, you would have been on the world's first, the world's first flight simulation ride in the world, not too shabby. But it wasn't all upwards and, and to the stars for the tour. Again, pun very much intended. There was a new and bigger competition growing in the lower 48 states. In 1986, Disneyland, that's the one in California, wanting to get in on this sleeper tech that was taking Toronto, well, Toronto particularly, by storm, approached the company, Red Diffusion, the company I mentioned earlier, the same people who created the ride mechanics for the tour of the universe to obviously create the same ride system for them, but to upgrade the capabilities of the ride tech, you know. Hey, this is really good. So uh, we're Disney. We'll throw money at you. Can you make this but better? And to our specifications? Absolutely. That's how that went, I'm sure. Originally intending to create a ride focused on their 1979 sci-fi film, The Black Hole, which is a film I've brought up too many times in passing in the in past episodes. Um, but however, that film sadly flopped in Disney's eyes. And so they approached the money-hungry Herman himself, George Lucas. They worked out a deal for Star Wars. They worked out a deal for a Star Wars theme ride to join the park, which was the first um, third-party IP, which I've said IP before, that's intellectual property. So that's like a brand, a franchise, um, a character's name, that's like an intellectual property. That, um, but yeah, that was the first third-party IP ride, which, as some of us will know, became the very highly popular Star Tours. Now, in a kingdom very, very near. Arthur, do hurry. The passengers are boarding. Prepare yourselves. Welcome aboard. For the ultimate Disneyland thrill attraction from the imagination of Disney and George Lucas. Because now, the adventure is real. Star Tours at Disneyland. In all the universe, there is no greater thrill. Now open at Disneyland. Star Tours is definitely a ride I admire greatly, but in this episode, I hate it. I'm kidding. I just don't have time. I don't have the time to really get into that ride. It is, a, it is definitely an episode that I would love to do um, in the future, but for right now, it is the ride that I feel killed the tour of the universe, so I'm not talking about this. But after Star Tours opened the gates, the doors were open. And um, that type of simulator ride was starting to show up in different places and in different countries of varying qualities. I'm not going to say all of them were better than the tour. A lot of them weren't from what I can see. And the tour of the universe continued the course for as long as it could until the popularity started to hinder. Costs went up and the effects and the quality of the ride started to wane as the years went on. Uh, plus, as I, I've, I saw that there was only one entrance and one exit hatch for the riders. Um, which slowed down the amount of tickets they could sell on a constant rotation. Like with Star Tours, you go in one way also. This had two, right? Star Tours, the one in Magic Kingdom, especially like in Disney World, the one in Florida, has four. So that's 
I don't know how many people they can fit in there, but that's four. That's already two times more than what Toronto is doing. And then they had exit hatches to the, um, so you'd come in on the right and you'd leave on the left. So they were constantly putting people in. Whereas with Toronto, only having one exit and entrance hatch, those same people that came in had to come up the exact same way that the, the other people trying to get in were coming in from, if that makes sense. So it kind of, it slows down the process quite a lot. The ride sadly closed in 1992, um, one year before this guy was born. So sadly, I didn't get a chance, as I mentioned. Um, there were a few different simulation rides that popped up later, um, like Space Race. That was um, the kind of the next biggest one. It fared the best um, running from late 1992 to 1998. Eventually, though, the queue, the show area and the ride itself were dismantled. And sadly, they were never to be seen in the CN Tower again. Um, as of now, March 2019, there's been no new news of getting a ride of this magnitude or any magnitude within the CN Tower. I know it kind of, it's kind of a sad note to end on. What's more sad is that most Canadians, and especially Ontarians, have no idea what the tour of the universe was. Or that there was even a ride at all in the CN Tower. Um, so I definitely feel like this was like crucial for me to put on the show. I know as a very young kid, I definitely had heard about a, a ride in the CN Tower. That's about as much as I heard. I heard there was a cool ride in the CN Tower. It was like nothing you'd experience, but that's kind of it. Um, I'd also like would hear like how the older one was better than the new one, but I had no idea what that meant way back then. But obviously now I know that they were no doubt talking about how the tour, like the tour of the universe was far better than Space Race or one of the other two that were in there. As I said, I am sad that I never got to experience this one, but especially researching this, I'm still so proud and I guess weirdly patriotic that Canada had this amazing ride first, like first before anyone else, any other country, and they did it up big, like a full experience. Um, so until the CN Tower decides to uh, create a new experience, uh, if you ever want to check out some more on the Tour of the Universe, go right ahead and search up Retro Ontario for more. Uh, he's got lots and lots and lots of clips and like uh, advertisements for the Tour of the Universe. And honestly, without him and his channel, this episode would not have been possible. So with that, I, again, I'd really like to thank Ed from Retro Ontario. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Outro Apparel. Our newest collaborator, Nancy Savio Poetry. And also, guys, check out As Yet Untitled. That's all together, As Yet Untitled, uh, their podcast. They're great guys, and they're friends of the show. Um, so please go check them out. And as you're about to hear, uh, go check out Lucas McCormick and his podcast, Two Cast. Um, I'll include links and tags for all of these wonderful individuals in the show notes. Before I go, I actually had the honor to record an episode with Lucas for his show just around a month ago. Um, I'm going to play a clip at the very end of this episode, and if you want to hear the rest, or if you just want to hear more of Lucas, you can find him on most places podcasts are available by looking up 2Cast. That's like the number 2, C-A-S-T. A Conversation for One was produced by the always wonderful Victoria Chubb and was written, recorded, produced by the only sometimes wonderful Tyler Horlings. That's me. So make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And I'll talk to you guys all very soon for Tron Volume 3. Thanks again, everyone.
Tyler out. Tour of the Universe. A place where time and space are yours to explore. An adventure into the galaxies. Destination Jupiter. Experience. It was amazing. Like you're really flying. <laughs> it was great. Tour of the universe at the base of Toronto's CN Tower. Take the tour today. Welcome to the TwoCast, where we talk about movies, music, and more. Uh, I am doing a special interview uh, across nations with Tyler Horlings, the creator and host of A Conversation for One. Uh, so how's it going, Tyler? Yeah, pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So uh, for those of you who don't know who Tyler is, uh, he hosts a podcast called A Conversation for One, which is a really cool podcast that I've gotten into um, in the recent months. Um, and I found you via a post you put on the subreddit for Tron. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Um, and you, <laughs> for anyone who knows me, they know that Tron Legacy is my favorite movie of all time. So, of course, I saw this and I'm like, I have to listen to this podcast. It sounds amazing. Um, and sure enough, I did. And I contacted you after that. And I mentioned that, hey, uh, I am a podcast host also, and I would love to uh, do some sort of collaboration with you. Yeah, honestly, um, I was like, sorry to cut you off there, but you were like the first person to like contact me. And it was like such a big deal for me. And I was just like, wow, mm -hmm. somebody who also loves Tron too. It was it was pretty crazy stuff. So it, it's kind of interesting um, little story backstory there. Um, but uh, Tyler, do you want to give a little uh, context to who you are, uh, feel free to just go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like you said, my name is Tyler Horlings. Um, I've been running the A Conversation for One podcast now since uh, like roughly since September of 2018. I'm pretty new at it. And uh, yeah, I just I love a bunch of stuff like movies, music, TV, theme parks. And basically, I'm just talking about it all the time. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I love awesome. it. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, awesome. Well, in that case, let's uh, let me jump into some of my questions for you. Yeah, sure. Um, so we can get this uh, started. So I think my first few questions for you is: Who are you currently? Just give a little context uh, to who you are, uh, where you live. You don't have to give the exact location, obviously, but uh, maybe just a little bit of context um, and what's something that. Uh, you know, talk about your podcast a little bit, what, um, just give a brief overview, that sort of thing. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, I'm a, a film studies, uh, graduate from, uh, the university of Wilfrid Laurier, uh, that's in Waterloo, Ontario. Uh, currently I live in, uh, Barrie, Ontario, Canada, which is, uh, kind of far away from anywhere. Like it's pretty far away, even from Toronto. Um, the podcast. Nice. Yeah. It, it's like, it's not, it's like, it's pretty crazy. Like, for me to have anybody like be a guest, I have to like basically like wine them and dine them over a weekend because nobody's gonna make the trip up north. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I get. That. <laughs> like, I live in a, I had a one city buddy, kind of near. Yeah. What were you saying? I had one buddy who wanted to come up to do the interview or like to to be like a guest on my podcast, but he's basically like in Toronto, so for him to come up is like an hour and a half. So basically, we had to do one over like online, and it's just 
it's not the same. I got a bunch of people who are like, yeah, I'd love to be on. It's just like, yeah, but you're not going to make like the two, three hour drive to come up here. A lot of my guests are local friends of mine. So that works in my benefit <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, so that's perfect. Um, so uh, one question I have for you before we get into more in depth about your podcast is what's something that makes you unique? What's something that makes me unique? Um, well, probably like the, the main thing is just like, I am all over the place when it comes to like interests, like I'm into animation, I'm into horror, sci-fi, classics, musicals. I love theme parks. I love all different types of music except for like heavy metal, but like, I'm like all over the place. And like, when I like get into something, I like go like way too hard into something. Like I, I like, I'll look up everything, even like unofficial spinoffs of stuff just cause like I need to have it all. I need to know it all. And so basically like I never nice. really, yeah. Like I never really do too, too much research. Cause like a lot of it is just like photographic, like backed up in my memory, which is like the worst. Cause like no one wants to have a conversation with me. It's all I talk about. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's perfect. I think that's a, a great little transition. Um, one question that I have a couple questions later that I might want to return to later. Um, but I think that's a good transition into, uh, your, uh, podcast. So, um, I want to ask you a few questions and then we can stop and take a break and have you ask me some questions. So, oh, I should add that this is a co-interview, um, whereas a conversation for one is going to be interviewing me and I will be interviewing him as we are both podcast hosts and we both have, uh, similar, but different, uh, sort of subject material, um, that we talk about. So, He's a very unique uh, podcast. I totally recommend listening to him, and I'll give the we'll plug it a little bit later for sure. So uh, first, explain the name. How did you come up with that? Um, so the name kind of it really kind of stems from the fact that like I was already like when I usually when I'm at work I'm almost always by myself, and so like I'm already like ranting and discussing stuff with myself fairly often. I know that sounds like kind of crazy, but. Uh, basically I get like so passionate about something and then like I just have to almost like justify like my thoughts to myself and uh so basically that's kind of like a conversation for one because like I'm just like I'm, I'll be like no but like they, they would have had to have done this otherwise this wouldn't have made sense you know like that sort of like it's kind of like you know like when you just like get so wrapped up in something that's basically what it is and also too it kind of didn't hurt that the name hadn't been used I was like, oh, I really like a conversation for one. And I typed it up in everything to make sure like that was the one that wasn't being used. And that's the one I went with. Well, okay. So now I have a, qu a question about that is what other, com whatever other ideas did you have uh, before you, when you were creating the podcast uh, for a name? Um, well, it kind of was going to be like a table for one or like I also another one that I thought of it was like um, alone on the moon or something like that. But those kind of like were already being used in one variation or, an, or another. And also I just didn't like how they sounded. A conversation for one, I really liked, but you know what kind of sucks actually? Like, and I found this out after. Yeah, it does, it does have a really good ring to it, it for sure. It's it's nice, right? But when I, I was gonna just do it yeah. as like ACFOP or ACFO podcast, that's what I have like all my social media as, but it kind of backfired because I found out that tons of like business websites and like, born again christian like websites were using like acfo it stands for completely different stuff but i was like uh, huh. so i kind of strayed away from that 
I just I, now That's it's funny. yeah now it's just completely like a conversation for one for whatever new things I put on. Yeah, well that makes me think because on my podcast is you one of your questions you had for me was uh, do you want to ask that question real quickly about my name? Yeah, sure. Like, because uh, honestly, I, I do wonder about this because like both your like your 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 name and your podcast name you have like two in it like Luke is too blue and like two cast. So I was just wondering what like the reason for the two was. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Lucas too blue. I have really no rhyme or reason for why that's the name. I just, I was like, all right, I'm like, I need a username that I'm going to stick with for a while. Um, and I made this when I was like, I don't know when I was like a young teenager or something. So I've had this name for a number of years now as a screen name and different on different accounts. Um, I know I toyed, toyed around with a def- bunch of different stupid usernames that I will not mention right now. Um, but for the two, I, I was like, it's two is not even my favorite number, which is really funny. Oh, interesting. It's just a number that I'm like, oh, two, that sounds like it's got a kind of nice ring to it. And blue is my favorite color. Okay. So I was like, all right, Lucas two blue. That, that rings really well. Huh. So that was how I came up with the username. Um, so very simple, no special story behind it or anything. Um, as for the two cast, I was like, I'm like, do I want to make it the Lucas Two Blue cast, the L2B co- contest, co- uh, podcast, mm-hmm. con- not contest? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I was just like, so what do I, what do I do? And I'm like, oh, two cast. And I looked it up. I'm like, is there anything called the two cast? There wasn't anything called the two cast, thankfully. That's what it boils so I was like, down All right, to. Right? I'll stick with that. Um, and the good thing that works for it is my name is still Lucas Two Blue yep. on branding and social media and that sort of thing. So the works. two cast is just a part of something I do. Yeah. Um, it's something that I do a lot and I do very prominently, but it's still it's under the Lucas Two Blue branding name, so I can do other projects. I'm not limited right. to just the the two cast name. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's crazy eh, how that boils. It always boils down to that. Like you have to make sure like no one else has it. Yeah especially in the, this day and age when like so many usernames are already taken you're like dang it and you're like that is even better than my name like, yeah or like you find so, one and it's like oh perfect and uh, and then you see that somebody else has had it but like the account or the podcast hasn't been updated or used in like four or five years it's like give it to me like I'll, i need that so i think we both have really unique names and <laughs> that's really cool uh hence why this podcast is titled a conversation for two because my podcast name is the two cast and your co- podcast name is the conversation for one. So I was like, oh, match made in heaven. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. 